0: Minute, wait a turn, minute. On turn on the radio. My on. homie got a new show and it's time to play He's it, to play I it hope you right. got in tune. He in talking tone. bigger talking business, bigger he biz. make a lot of moves. I'm move. move. talk talking Scott Coon. I'm saying, saying. A wait a, turn a minute, on turn on the radio. My homie got a new show and it's time to play. Welcome to, to the Startup Showcase. You I'm your host, Scott he Katoon. We've got a great show today. Super excited to uh talk to one of the companies that I cannot wait to. I'm not gonna say I'm gonna invest in them right off the bat. I gotta hear the pitch, of course. Uh, but I have to tell you, I'm super excited about it. And I think, uh, well, I think I'm probably going to invest in it. But uh, we'll get to that in the second half of the show. On the first half of the show, one second, let me plug in. On the first half of the show, uh, we're going to talk some stocks. And I would love for you guys to text and call in. The number is, uh, well, I repeat this all the time 312 981 7200. Feel free to text and call. we got questions on the stock market brought to you by Y Charts. I tweeted out, so follow me on Twitter. Well, on Instagram, Twitter, anything, at Katoon, or you can follow us at Technori. Any questions, we've been receiving a lot of them in the DM box for Twitter, so feel free to continue to do that. Uh, I tweeted out a couple of things in the last hour or so, and I'll continue to push through the show here. The stocks that I want to talk about, I think, are the same ones that anyone wants to talk about right now. Tesla, Casper, Uber, Spotify. I sent out this week's chart, again, brought to you by Charts. We appreciate all of the uh, assistance that they're giving us this, on this. Tale of two worlds, those who show a path to revenue and are rewarded, and those who don't. And uh, I guess I'll just start with Tesla because I'm excited about it, mostly because I've been, as I've said in the show a million times, I've been talking about this with my friends forever and getting uh, a ton of like, you're an idiot, and, and other things that are more colorful than that. Um, and they hit a peak, almost a $1,000 a share this week. I believe it topped out somewhere around 968 and now they're traveling somewhere around 745. So they took a, a pullback. I would like to dig into that. If you have questions or comments on this, or you're part of that whole uh, investing chase of Tesla this past week, feel free to call in and text, uh, text your thoughts. Here's the deal so they finished on the week up 8%, a little over 8%. Uh, at a peak, it was like 28%. And I started asking some of my trader friends, the first person I talked to, this is at, let's say it's about 700 and change, 725, I think is actually the number uh, the share was going to. Um, and I said, you know, holy cow, right? It's, it's crazy since the 550, 600s. And he was like, you know, this is all the bulls and all of the traders who were sort of uh, trying to recoup and or uh, paying back those that shorted the stock. And that was sort of the explanation. Then I went back to them as it starts to approach you know, high sevens into eights and, of course, nine, and then rushes to almost $1,000 a share uh, three days ago. And they're just looking at me like, I don't really have an answer for this. And there is answers in the sense that like, the there's the China piece, which is twofold, right? Because there's the coronavirus on one side, which you would think would have an impact on the market, and it just hasn't, which is bizarre. Um, and there's the other side that they're going to open up a plant in China at some point here soon and that you know opens a door to a ton of output a ton of revenue and so yes we should be excited about it and there's also tesla meeting its uh, meeting its numbers and showing that it's it's revenue positive at, at for at least a chunk of time until they go back into growth mode they also have announced a couple of new cars the car presales are fantastic all those things are great but 50% in like 2 weeks or 3 weeks a little over a little under 3 weeks what in like that's an insane a number right so I started talking to some of the people who are a little bit younger, not that age is a thing, but they were like, this reminds me of the Bitcoin run in 17. And I started thinking about it and I was like, you're right. It does. What was one of the big components of the Bitcoin rush? And the, and we'll get into that again later at the end of this little segment, because Bitcoin's on the run again and Ethereum is up 60% of the week. If you follow. Um, and the answer was social media. The answer was a lot of young investors were getting involved in it and they were pumping the number up and they were buying and selling in a huge you know, clip, but like they were going on social media and putting videos and telling all their friends who didn't know anything about it, that they're getting rich. And that ballooned the currency, which I have a, if people are interested, I can do it on Instagram. Or I could do it on the show if there's time. I got the greatest explanation of cryptocurrency. I'll share that with you later. Um, just cause I think it's, it was fascinating. I've never heard anything like this anyway. Tesla, if you look at TikTok, for those of you who follow the app TikTok, there are 20-year-olds, that's actually tweens, and 20-year-olds who are making videos viewed by millions. I mean, it's close to 100 million views on the collection of some of these videos talking about putting money in Tesla and certain kids who had enough money in the front end to, to invest who said that they have their college paid off already. They haven't even gone to college. And they've paid off their college already with just the run on Tesla in the last month and change. And that has to be a huge part in my mind of how Tesla just exploded because none of the other metrics make any sense. Yes, it should go up. You'd argue that coronavirus should have impacted it more to go down, and it didn't. And yet it just went on a tear. And the main thing is, so I go back to the traders, and I'm telling them this, and I just watched this like whitewash on their face because in their head they were like, Oh my God, that completely makes sense. And then a couple other ones said that they had heard kind of similar things. And when you look at it, this reminds me, and this could be a signal for those investing. I'm not sure uh, for the future. This isn't an immediate thing. I'm not saying go pull all your money. In the 80s, when you saw everything go flying through the roof in the markets, people were playing a game with the stocks through the industry rags, through the Wall Street Journal blogs and rags where people were saying, it's not not insider trading, but they were, well, I guess in some cases it actually was if you watch the movie Wall Street. They were giving signals away that drove the stock prices up and down sort of fictitiously. And now we're in a world where, and that was a place where like it was mostly just traders. So at least there was some education behind what they were doing. They knew what they were doing, good or bad. Now we have kids Who don't know anything we have adults who don't know anything and they're going on social media where they can get in front of millions billions of people and they're making crazy statements but they're not even putting out charts and saying hey look at the look at the metrics they're literally just saying i got rich on this and that's enough and if if i'm there i'm looking at that with a little bit of skepticism wondering at what point do we have somebody step in and and we would say Facebook and others would step in, but we already know from the political mumbo-jumbo that that's not going to happen. It, it's something to think about. On the other side of this, I'm going to take a quick break, but I'm going to come back to you with the exact polar opposite, Casper. If you're familiar with Casper, you're walking around Oakbrook Mall, there's a store Casper. I like their product, to be totally honest. At the end of the day, it's a D2C mattress king. So, like, take that with a grain of salt. We're going to talk about that. Uber... And Spotify, right after this. All right. Now, as I was saying before we took the break, the other three companies, one of which is the polar opposite of what's going on with Tesla, is Casper. Casper is a company that for the last while has been working really hard to try to figure out whether they should go public. They're in a situation, I'm not going to put them into the the pit that was WeWork. And there's a bunch of other you know, recent IPOs in the last few years that that are comparable. They were in a situation where they needed to raise somewhere above $300 million to be able to keep the machine going. They have spent the vast majority of their money marketing the company, which is not a surprise. That's what a growth company does. But when you spend dollars to the point where $3 to every $1 coming in is spent on acquiring a customer who only buys a mattress every five years or buys a couple pillows. And here's the thing that I liked about Casper. Casper did a really nice job with providing not just a mattress. So if you went in a mattress giant, you're paying for the space and they have a bunch of spaces in there. But, um, when you go in a mattress giant, you're, you're buying a mattress and that's it. You're not buying other stuff. Tempur-Pedic might have a couple pillows in there, but for the most part, you're not buying Casper actually has products. You could buy three or four five pillows. You could buy one of those amazing heavy blankets, which I desperately need to make me feel more safe at home. And you could buy all kinds of other stuff. They've, they've got a ton of stuff in their little stores. But you have to go into a store to get it. You're not going to buy that as extra click-ons when you go into the website. It's just not the way that people shop. So they also, while they have a great D2C direct-to-consumer model, they do require for them to get their extra money in. They kind of require to have stores, and they do a lot of pop-ups, and that's great. But the problem is, it's not a tech company, and it's kind of valued that way. And so they're trying to figure out to go IPO. They set the price at like 18 bucks, Then they reset it to like 12 bucks, Then they went public this week, and they, they lowered the thing because they, the, all of the the iBankers on Morgan Stanley and the rest that were involved in this thought, it would be better for them to track higher rather than experience with Slack, Uber, WeWork, well, WeWork never got there, Peloton did, which is to say that they started off where they were, where they thought they were, and then they dropped precipitously from there. They did okay on day one. They got out of like 14 bucks on a 12 launch, and then the bottom fell out. And at the end of the close Friday, they were down 18%. And I think that's a signal that investors, we talked about this last few weeks, investors, retail or otherwise, particularly institutional, have had it with the crazy valuations and have had it with, we're going to get there someday. And we're just, we're just spending to get space. And I've talked about this a lot on the show that you want to be able to grow as quickly as you can to grab market share because there's just a lot less defense barriers existing in tech companies anymore. But you have to have an answer. And Tesla is an example. They've paid the price repeatedly for spending a bunch of money and then showing that they couldn't get there. Peloton also, which is not part of my list, but Peloton this week had a little bit of a struggle too. They did their earnings report. They showed amazing growth. But simultaneously, they also showed that they were losing money and they were losing some traction on some of the products that they had and the stock took a dump because of that. And I think it's important that people recognize mostly I'm talking to the founders and CEOs of these companies. You've got to do a good balance between we're investing in growth and we're, we're our eye on, on a profit margin. I'll tell you a company surprisingly to some of you that did Uber technologies, Uber's up 8% on the week. They were up 10% yesterday after they had an earnings report that showed profitability and a CEO who stepped up and said, "I am committed to profitability," and I believe, if I'm quoting correctly, he said, "This company is no longer going to spend money like rock stars. They are going to become a real grown-up company," which is sort of the plus and minus because you want these tech companies, these high-growth companies, to stay at that clip, and in order for them to do that, they have to be very innovative and spend money on stuff that maybe is a bad idea, a la Snap. Snap's trading at 25 times revenue or actually i'm sorry 200 times revenue uh compared to twitter valued at the same amount they've taken some swings and misses on spectacles and other things but people believe that they'll figure it out a company that has shown an example of we can show some profitability and growth but also make splashes i mentioned last week two weeks ago too that i had heard rumblings that spotify was going to buy the ringer network bill simmons is formerly from espn grantland 30 for 30 so forth and he did. Numbers so far are undisclosed, but I'm going to tell you, it's a lot. And what happened? They were rewarded. They're up five, just under, a little over 5% on the week. And they will continue to be rewarded because they're putting together a platform the right way. Slowly, they are investing in new things, original content. Rapidly, they're investing in markets like India to try to get their app out and download it. But they're taking a cautious sort of growth model to that and that's an important piece of this that a lot of these companies come out and you know keep in mind these are a lot of young founders like not the case in uber but these are founder ceos who are taking over a public company for the first time and they have a bunch of investors on one side who have paid a huge premium and that's shame on the vcs for that that's a whole other show for another day you should check out the podcast that's all i talk about on the podcast Technory podcast ironically on spotify um these founders are coming into this and going whoa Institutional public investors are different from institutional private investors. Retail investors have no patience for this. And we have, like in Casper's case, they've got a dilemma because Casper's in a situation where if they don't have an IPO that recovers, that company's worth less publicly than it was privately. And that's no bueno if you're one of their you know, late investors. The early investors, for the most part, made their money along the way, and they're probably fine. But companies, as they move forward, these IPOs... I think for the last few years, you saw not as many public IPOs from tech companies because I think there were some founders who were seasoned enough to know that potentially this might not be so great. Like people might not view this so great. And so they kind of waited until they had no choice or they felt like they were in a favorable position financially to do it or they just needed the money to grow the brand even larger. And so, you know, that's something very interesting. Um, one other thing I want to go into before we take a break because I just thought it was interesting as somebody I met with, uh, actually it's on the podcast from last week, Kraken who's the largest more secure Bitcoin exchange in the world uh, also um, big presence in office here in Chicago the CCO uh, Bobby Regatta told me when I asked him like can you explain this for the layman and his line was perfect, he goes people look at cryptocurrencies as equities when they should look at it as currencies And if you currently are doing business in India and you're using a rupee or a peso, if you're in Mexico or you're a US dollar or a euro, wherever, the reason that you use it is because you're running a business in that area. But in the future, the reason you would use a certain currency is not about the location because it's a global economy, but rather because the type of business you're in uses a currency that is built specifically for it. So manufacturing would use this. Gaming would use this. Bitcoin is your sort of fiat. That's your convert. Ethereum is good for this. Anything that's records and tracking. So, when we start looking at all these cryptocurrencies, I think people should really start thinking of the future and looking at exactly what that means and investing in things, not necessarily because it's hot, but because you believe that that currency can be there. Uh, Thank you for the text. We got a couple of good texts coming in here. Um, Let's see here. We'll read one for you. Speaking of individual stocks, somebody, this is coming from the 847 uh, 624. Somebody was telling me the other day, about something that made so much sense to me that I had to look into it. That's uh, that's what he said so far. Okay, so uh, with all of the vegans out there and the way millennials are treating their bodies, there is a company that is making a plant-based baby formula. This is good for me. Uh, the symbol is B A B Y F, and it looks like. So the question is, if it became club, it, it did become public not too long ago, and it makes too much sense. Is this a good too good to be true? All right, uh, it's only trading at fifty cents. Per unit on the stock, so we're looking at essentially a penny stock. Um, I mean, I I can't give you advice on this, but what I would tell you is that trend is completely true. I'd have to ask my wife who hopefully is listening to this show, would we use a vegan formula? I think if you have a kid who has allergies to certain things, depends on what the formula is made of. If you have a kid who is using um, you know, needs to grow or is you know, having problems with you know growing in, in weight and so forth, and it might not have enough protein. I'm not sure enough about it, but I would tell you that if you look at Beyond Beef and any of the other uh, companies that are out there who are catering to this market, they're blowing up. Now, I will warn you and say, um, you might be able to buy now at 50 cents and watch it go up to a couple dollars, and that's a huge win for you, and you take it out and you go. But all of these things, when you talk about nutrition and health and food, are so cyclical. I mean, just... Like five years ago, Juul was everything, and now one of the commercials that played just before I came back on the air was talking about how absolutely terrible for you, and they called an epidemic of people vaping, which I tend to agree. Um, So, like ten years ago, you want to drink wine every day, and I follow that. You know, I drink a lot, a bottle of wine every day to make sure that I, I get my intake. People change what they think about that all the time, and I do think that. You can take advantage of a trend that moves really quickly in the food space, but I would not necessarily buy in all the way because people say, like, it's like the McDonald's trick. A few years ago when Don Thompson was a CEO, they ran a huge survey and all these millennials said that they wanted to eat healthier and green, whatever. And then when it came to it, they didn't eat any of it. And they went to McDonald's still and they bought Big Macs because what we say and what we do are often totally different things. Um, So... If that's the case, that's what I would say. One last text, and we got to go to commercial. Um, unfortunately, it says uh, my father passed away and he left a block of gold. Where can I trade it in for cash? You know what? I have no idea. Um, first off, it depends on what the block of gold is. Is it is it like bullion? It's like a big chunk, or like is it? Do you have documentation? Um, and then there's the you know there's a million streets uh, businesses along the streets if you drive down through Skokie that say you know we buy gold so uh, gold exchange I would I would go there first and ask but you know for me when I see storefronts like that I always think of like a pawn shop so I might be a little bit you know cautious but anyway we're gonna take a commercial break we're gonna come back uh, with the startup showcase portion of the show and hear a pitch from a company who I cannot wait to hear the pitch from so we'll be back after that alrighty folks it's ready for the startup showcase portion of the show so let's see who gets off the <laughs> Henry, are you there?
1: Yeah. Hey, how's it going, Scott? Good, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great today.
0: Excellent. Um, so I'm super excited to hear this pitch. Uh, I've been talking about it with a couple of my friends on offline, and now we're on the show here. Um, I feel like I've convinced myself already to invest in this company, so I'm going to try to keep myself from being giddy. I'm a little, um, I'm obsessed a little bit about these like apps that we can use to invest in the varying from like M1 Finance to obviously Robinhood. Uh, last week or two weeks ago, I had Ember Fund on, which is sort of a crypto play, um, yeah. also raising a Republic, of course. Uh, so, why don't you give us the pitch on what Rocket Dollar is and why we should invest?
1: Yeah, sure. So, uh, Rocket Dollar is a web platform that we let people basically go online, open an account in five to ten minutes. But instead of the traditional stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, we let people keep the tax advantages of IRAs and 401ks and make private and alternative investments. So, that could be Republic, could be crypto be a direct investment into a startup uh it could also be buying a rental property as well
0: that is about as simple as it gets um yeah it's it's actually kind of crazy you think about it because um i'm going back to like 2016 and i i start talking to ken the ceo founder of republic and and i'm you know we're talking about the idea of this is of course before i think robinhood really took off and all this stuff and it's like um i want to invest and i feel like i have a pretty good eye for it and i'm obviously paying more attention to tech startups than the average joe um sure but the idea of just investing through republic or other platforms like that micro ventures and others um i'm not okay. really thinking of the taxes i'm just thinking like i'm put i'm pouring money out the door and i just hope it comes back and we'll see what happens and now yeah, as these platforms have gotten more sophisticated there's like like i have i've had a couple of exits on it and it's like oh, all right now i gotta pay ta- like where what am i like all of a sudden now I'm thinking, why am I not taking advantage of the taxes? Why am I not managing this the same way I manage, you know, real money?
1: Right. And and you know, that's one of the things I've always been in this financial services concentrating on tax advantage space. So I'm probably about Ten thousand times or more in my life, I've told people that hey, that sounds like a great investment. You know, something they already want to do. But you know, the thing is, if you bought that exact same investment that you've already vetted, that you have knowledge about, and you do it inside of one of these accounts, your returns are actually going to be better. So on the annual basis, it could be fifty percent better, depending on the tax status of your state. Uh, you know, down in Texas, a little bit better, but still, you know, maybe thirty percent better returns if you didn't have to pay taxes on the same investments that people are already making.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, it's a, it's a it. no-brainer. So t- tell me a little bit about the downside of like. like. there is there a downside to it?
1: Well, you, you know, the downside, of course, is that it's a give and take. So whenever you're dealing with uh, the U.S. government and the IRS, it's a give and take. So basically... I thought it was mostly just talk a about, take, no? <laughs> well, yeah, but in this case, let's get let's talk about the give. Yeah. So what they give you in these particular accounts is potentially decades of being able to kick kick the tax man down the road. Um, and then the ability to sort of just uh, take those gains at the way you want to take them. So that, that investment that you exited on in a non-taxable account, you basically get that exit taxed in the entire amount on the in the day that you received it. Yep. But if you received a, let's say, $20,000 gain on an investment in an IRA, at some point down the road when, you're, when you qualify over 59 and a half, you could actually decide that that year to take only $2,000 of that gain and pay taxes on only $2,000 then. Um, by adhering. So that's the give, right? They give you those, uh, the tax benefits, but the take is that it is a liquid up until a certain age, which is 59 and a half, um, And that's the take. So you have to wait to be able to uh, to take the, take the gains in, on your investment, essentially.
0: Yeah. No, I think what's compelling about this to me, and I, it should be really compelling <laughs> to everyone listening to the show, to be honest, this is retirement focused. And for those who don't know, when you're investing in startups, unless you are a VC, uh, and this is like your whole business and even in this case it's still the case but the typical exit's going to happen somewhere between 8 years and never and right if i'm making these investments now i am i mean i shouldn't be thinking i'm going to get a return cuz i'm going to buy a house like that's not how this should be thought it's like if i if we have an exit which i hope for it's 8 years right. from now which puts me at you know almost 50 which is crazy right.
1: um and well, so you and know i tell people yeah. that hey uh you know, they say, "Well, the but the thing is that Henry." My counter to that is that if I did the investment and it's a loss, then I can write that off. And I tell people that, "Look, you have to. Have, you're you're having conviction. So if you're already thinking that way, why make this investment in the first place?" The whole point is to, you know, sort of play a numbers game, invest in enough deals to where the ten percent or so that provide a return actually offset to a higher degree than you would have received just being in a plain-Jane mutual fund inside of one of these accounts. And and there's quite a bit of money in these accounts. So what I tell people is that, look, the characteristics of money that's inside of an IRA, so let's let's not try to characterize this as a retirement account. It's really a tax-protected or tax-managed account. That The characteristics of this account is it's geared towards um, uh, minimizing taxes on very high positive gains. So, so sort of at one time. And it's also very long-term money that can be used for consumer spending purposes today. And that's kind of exactly what you described right there, which is the return is eight years to never. And when it happens, it's typically coming in one shot back to you. Yep. It, exposed, it's very expensive. You know, you, you basically are counting on losing half of that money right away. Yep. Um, so I'm just combining the characteristics that have existed in these types of accounts that currently have $10 trillion in just IRAs. With, I think, um, the right mentality, as you described, not me, for these investments in the first place. Yeah, no, I agree with putting you. Putting them
0: together. I agree with you. I think, you know, and also think we need to look at, like, the type of person who you're talking to with that answer, because it's like, if I'm a person who's a super high net worth person, I've got a CFO or an accountant who's, you know, a star at trying to hide my money, and I'm actually looking at some of these investments, to your point, you'd say, like, why even invest if you're thinking about it being a loss? I mean... I'm realistic about it, and I'm certainly not in the ridiculous high net worth, you know, category. Uh, But for some of the people I know, they they really do make investments that they think like I dig the mission, I dig the founder. I think there's, you know, obviously I don't think it's a joke, um, but I do recognize that the losses are probably going to be at a, a pretty significant portion of my investments, and I do count on writing those off as they come on. So, I mean, I think some people for them, it's like, yeah, that's, that's a deal. And it's fine because they're covered in a million other ways because they have so much money and they're taking care of it wisely for me and everyone else. I'm not like, I'm not putting my money in your company on Republic right now because I expect that it's going to pay out in a year when I want to buy a house. Like that's not, you know, so if, if it's not immediate, then why not put it in something that's tax favorable and let that money roll. And then if you want to make day trades or, or you know, quasi-day trading on Robinhood or TD Ameritrade, wherever you do it, then do that. Like, that, you can do both.
1: Right. And, and also, it's kind of what institutions are doing anyway. If you think Correct. about it, most of the LPs in these venture funds are actually non tax paying entities. They're endowments. They're municipal funds um, uh, and so forth. So they're non taxable entities. And that's why they're going in and becoming an LP in these venture funds. Yeah, talk about the Yale. Yale, Actually, different than you.
0: Talk about the Yale endowment because I feel like that's one thing that most of the people listening to the show have probably a loose understanding of of investing in general, but they do know colleges have endowments. And I thought that was it's in the video on republic.co slash rocket dash dollar. You can check out the video, but if you can go into a little bit because I thought that was an amazing analogy for why this could be interesting for people
1: yeah so the Yale Endowment is widely considered the most successful sort of endowment slash private and alternative investing fund. It's the endowment fund, of course, for Yale University run by Dave Swenson and uh you know he really capitalizes on some of his thinking. It's called unconventional success, so they roughly keep and maintain a portion of between 40 to 60% of the entire endowment fund portfolio. And they've been the best returning endowment fund for several decades and sort of created this, um, the model for how institutions invest funds. But 40 to 60% has always been in the private world. Um, And, that's like actually the exact opposite of how probably people invest in the retail world, right? Yeah. It's typically 100% traditional. And then for people like yourself and myself who choose to take a portion of our net worth, then we go into private and alternative deals. Now, I'm not trying to say that you need to go 50-50 on those things, but I think a lot of people could benefit from probably being at a 10 to 15 or 20% range and tapping into these IRA or old 401K accounts it's typically an account that there's two of us here having a conversation, but between us, statistically, uh, based on our ages, there probably is about 3.9 to maybe 4.6 actual qualifying accounts for my product at Rocket Dollar, because we have different jobs, we have different IRAs, and we accumulate these. So there's actually more by number of these accounts than there are individuals.
0: Yeah, no, I, I totally get that. I think putting into the, into your percentages into context for people listening and, and those who will get this later, um, you know just myself as an example i make my money on salary and other things that i you know do on the side and then i have a good portion of it in sort of what i'll call mid long term m1 finance i put my money in there i bet on companies that i think uh over the next 10 years five years really to me in my mind it's five years but up to 10 um that are going to do well and then i've got sort of like throughout the year robin hood where i put another chunk of change and i i sort of sometimes it's day trade sometimes it's not sometimes it's week and month trade And then I've got, you know, obviously crypto and so forth. And then I've got another chunk of, you know, investing in these early stage companies and also IRA, which is like the forever 25 year plus stuff. And I think that people right now, some of them, if they're lucky, they have a financial advisor who's doing some version of this for them, but most do not. And those who are investing without having a structured percentage where it's like this baseline where my highest percentage of return is in a place that has the best tax advantage possible. The like you have to measure how much money I'm trying to return versus what the tax implication is going to be and then layer those by percentage so that you you are, you know, obviously liquid enough, but also not, you know, you're probably not gonna pay you're probably not gonna have a forty or fifty thousand unless you bet in Tesla earlier. You're probably not gonna put yeah. thirty or forty thousand dollars in your pocket over two weeks on it on that trading. You're just not
1: Exactly, and and you know I, I talk about that a lot. So one of the things that we're proponents of at Rocket Dollar is telling people that it's not just a matter of your asset selection or your investment selection, but think about your asset location, which is the type of characterization around your account structure yeah. uh, to minimize those taxes. So people did go up from 400 to 1,000 in Tesla last week, but people that did it in an IRA are in doubt, undoubtedly much happier than yeah, people I'm that sure. might have done it in a taxable brokerage account.
0: Or or if you're me and you bought originally at 178, you're really. Uh... <laughs> you really you've got some questions yeah i'm making calls well, to you're, you're fine. So, right.
1: in your case you're actually betting on that macro trend for tesla and that's kind of what we characterize as the investment in us at rocket dollar on the republic platform which is that so if you were to ask yourself that exactly what you just said that the best investors in the world are going roughly 50 50 private to public um, right now there's 10 trillion dollars of monies and iras of which is actually in stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, largely held by only 10 companies, that the bet on us as Rocket Dollar as a company for an investment in us is that, you know, in the very near-term future, that that's not always going to be the case, especially if the existing smartest investors in the world are nowhere near that allocation. And now... Uh, platforms such as republic such as let's say coinbase and others that offer access to alternative investments in much smaller chunks exist right now so there's a product marketplace that exists right now and what we view ourselves that is the enablers of what we think the way retail investors should be investing today because that's how the best investors have been doing it for decades
0: um awesome can you do you mind hanging tight if we go to a commercial i want to talk to you on the other side about the actual investment that's uh, the opportunity that's there on republic yeah, sure. Perfect. Yeah, So just hanging tight, we're going to take commercial. And before that, real quick, I just want to shout out to uh, the texter 847975 who texted about gold. Another texter wrote back in, 773, with a response, Harlan J. Burke LTD. It's located on 31 North Clark Street in Chicago. Highly reputable gold and precious coins dealer in downtown Chicago. So you should check that out. Hopefully that answers the question. All right, we're going to take a commercial break. We'll be right back after this with Henry Yoshida, the founder and CEO of Rocket Dollar. All right, I got two quick things. Henry is still on the line. We're going to talk about the numbers on uh, on Rocket Dollar and Republic. But before that, two text messages, one from 224 and another from 224. I have Roth IRA. <clears throat> you mentioned that we I invest on M1 Finance. I have all of my money on the ETF for S&P 500. Should I do something else? I'm not going to give investment advice here. What I will say is you should look at Rocket Dollars. One, obviously, you're listening to the show. Um, if you're on M1, which I'm a gigantic fan of, Chicago Company, not just because of that, they have... Um, mock-ups of different groups and funds and investing strategies you can pick depending on your your risk reward whatever um, one of which on there like co2 management if you want to follow them you want to follow um, you know BCG you want to follow Byron Trot you want to follow Berkshire any of these I, personally I would just do a mix of it I would do S&P and p tech S&P 500 SP 500 tech I would do CO2 if I was into sort of media tech. I would mix it up a little bit, and then you could also leave margin in there for maybe 10% of stocks that you personally think are interesting or you relate to or you like or you like the potential of. And then you can also create multiple IRAs on that same platform and fund them all differently. The best part about it, in my opinion, for those listening, is that when it comes time to pay taxes or you want to, you know, add a garage door or something, you can actually, as long as you have more than 10 grand in those accounts, you can actually borrow against it at 3.25% interest, which is awesome, and pay off the taxes or pay off your car, whatever it is you're doing, uh, but not take the money out of the investment, which is something I really love. Okay. Uh, Henry, you've set up time yeah. here. We've got about five minutes left. Um, I want to get into the terms, the deal terms, because I personally, I'm already sold on this, as I told you before. You had to say some crazy stuff to get me off of this investment. <laughs> um, but if you could talk a little bit about the opportunity that is on Republic, maybe spit out some of the uh, numbers and things that you guys have had so far to substantiate the deal.
1: Yeah, so uh, we launched the campaign, so I think I saw that we, we sent a note out just uh, maybe yesterday or so that we'd passed $200,000 yep, are at now. platform. You're at $220,000 okay, two twenty. 220. The uh, For us, the minimum investment is 100 It's set up on the the sort of standard crowd-safe agreement that R- Republic offers. The valuation cap has a 10% discount at a $20 million uh, uh, cap valuation. So for the so.
0: listener, we do this. I, they've gone through the safe on the show before, and, and obviously I've told people before you can go to com and the blog, and you'll find stuff on what the safe is. Um, can you just give an example of somebody investing right now uh, let's say they put a th- you know what what do we got here? You got perks at two fifty five hundred thousand. Let's say I put ten thousand dollars into your company uh, at a ten percent discount, twenty million dollar value cap. What happens next?
1: Yeah. So what happens is that obviously when the when the when the campaign closes, we send out notifications. People have already made commitments at this point, so you're essentially going to get a, a document that indicates that you're invested in the company on a, a debenture structure, so a debt structure. Uh, of $10,000, the $20 million valuation at a 10% cap. So then there'll be trigger events. So as we continue to build the business and or there is some sort of change of control event, so that comes in the form of an acquisition. Uh, I actually am more familiar with that structure just based on what happened in my last tech startup uh, versus continuing on with additional rounds of funding. But at that point, that's when you get converted to equity uh, and your investment represents the ten thousand dollars we converted on a formula, which is based on a ten percent discount off of the twenty. Yep. Uh, along with everyone else in no the okay. public deal.
0: So there you go. For those that I always ask the founder to do it themselves because I feel like nothing says uh, confidence on a founder more who knows his, knows his math and knows his terms. Um, yep. I, am I correct? And some of these things you can't answer. Um, am I correct in understanding that you guys probably have raised? You've raised about three, a little over three million, three point seven to date. Um, and those investors are at roughly a twenty. Are, are you are you raising it essentially the same current value you guys are at on your previous raises, or, or what is substantiating the number twenty?
1: Yeah. So the last time we raised uh, money was was just a few months ago. So we've grown we grew a lot in 2019. So essentially, those people are actually just slightly under what would be a 10 percent discount off of 20. So they're okay. under that. But that that was done uh, essentially. Four months ago
0: okay yeah so, and it looks like you've yeah. got 80 a uh, little over 80 million in assets have been transferred or contributed to the platform which is obviously yeah and actually uh,
1: even that's changed so we're now closer to 105 okay. uh, million in assets under management and then our park structure uh, oddly enough is set up in two ways one is which that you could become an investor in the company but at 250 dollars or 500 uh, for people to go to the campaign page at the co slash rocket hyphen dollar what they're going to see, or they can go to our site at RocketDollar.com, those perks are actually allow you to make an investment of either 250 or 500 Then you can actually get a rebate at the end of the campaign for a free account with us as well. Oh, nice. So you can make the investment using um, our own account.
0: Well, as I said at the beginning of this, uh, I believe I will be making an investment. At least starting off, there's about 49, 50 days left in the campaign, so I'll probably make one now and then just keep watching you roll. I, I personally love the company. I love the idea. I love these type of businesses. I think you're fantastic. Um, I could absolutely see this campaign hitting that whole million dollars. To be totally honest with you, uh, minimum that's on on Republic. So, for those of you listening, I'm going to tweet out uh, and well, tweet out, Facebook out, Instagram, everything out. Uh, this campaign and we'll add it to our endorsed by technori on the republic page republic.co slash technori you can follow the companies that we've had on the show or invested in if you're interested um i'm going to start doing some commenting on there they have a nice forum there to to talk so if any of you listening have more specific questions uh feel free to sign up at republic.co and then follow the technori page and you will be able to engage with me and potentially even henry so uh henry thank you so much for taking the time and being on the show today
1: Thank you very much. Appreciate
0: of it. Of course. All right, folks, that's a wrap for me. Uh, follow us at Technori, Follow me at Katoon. Check out the blog. Check out uh, the podcast at TechNory.com. Boom, that's a wrap.